In this perspective series, you will see how the book of Nehemiah shows that you are uniquely needed. So we saw in Nehemiah 1 that Nehemiah's heart is uniquely stirred and broken for this situation that other people know about and maybe aren't taking action about, but his heart is stirred and he turns to prayer to God, but then turns to action and says, actually, I'm uniquely placed by God to do something about this. And we end chapter one by finding out he's cupbearer to the king. And chapter two is then where we see that Nehemiah comes before the king. He's given all that he needs in order to go and do what he settled in his heart to do, which is take action about the wall of Jerusalem. We then find that he goes and inspects the wall in Jerusalem and he doesn't really tell anyone about it. He goes and he inspects the wall and then he shares with the, the people there and says, basically, I think God has called us to fix this situation, to do something about this. And it ends with us finding that they um, are all sort of rally around this work. And then the people around them actually start to kind of mock them a little bit as well. And so this is the, the story we're going to look at in chapter 2 of Nehemiah. But the key message of Nehemiah 2 is the Holy Spirit is always at work. You have a God that surrounds you. We have a surrounding God. See, Nehemiah goes to the king and he gets all these resources and stuff. But we discover that it's because God's gone before him. God is already there. And already God has provided all that he needs. It's all, it's all just waiting for him to step into the thing that God has created his heart to be stirred by. Now, I love the Nehemiah 2. It starts off basically with Nehemiah's face. <laughs> He's cut bare to the king and he gets called to go before the king. Um, and we know this sort of phrase, kind of wearing your heart on your sleeve. Well, Nehemiah is wearing his heart on his face, which is kind of good news, actually, because it calls us to be honest. You know, the king looks at him and says, I can see by your face something's wrong, you're troubled. And see, the world we live in calls us to have fake faces, you know, to, to smile and look like everything's good and all right. And, and I'm not just having a pop at social media, although I think there's a big role that that plays around promoting this life is good and everything's all right. You know it well, you've heard probably people talk about this idea before that someone asks you how they're doing and they're not really interested. They just want you to fulfill your social contract by saying, yep, I'm fine. So you can continue bantering on in the sort of banal conversation. <laughs> See, Nehemiah is honest about how he is feeling such that his employer knows about it and asks him about it. And so I love that. We're called to be honest, to wear our hearts on our face, not just to present a, a kind of, you know, everything's fine mentality or we're comfortable with everything that's in the world. Well, what we then see in Nehemiah 2 is there's kind of like three beats to the story. We see basically where the king provides for what Nehemiah's calling to go and do. We then see this kind of um, this phase where Nehemiah is holding on to this kind of promise of God of what he's called to do. But it's secret. It's like a kind of a, a birthing moment where he's got it very intimately to himself before sharing it with the world. And then we see that basically Nehemiah living in the presence of a God who surrounds him, who provides for all he needs, a surrounding God's image, actually inspires the faith of others and helps release them and call them into what it is that God is wanting them to do as well. So first of all, um, we see um, that the king provides for Nehemiah. Now, we're meant to get, although this is you know King Artaxerxes that's, that's giving Nehemiah these things, this is God's provision. So we see verse four, as soon as he basically, Nehemiah shares what's troubling him, the king says, 
What is it you want? See, God's already granted to provide Nehemiah with all that he's going to need for the work he's called him to. And so verse 5, Nehemiah kind of fires off this bullet prayer just to say, like, God, keep me. I want to be in line with you and what it is that you're calling me to do. The same thing we talked about, about our expectation is to know what God wants us to do, to call out to him and in the moment find God and know what it is that he's wanting us to say or do or ask for. And so the king says he can he can release him to go and do it. And he gives him authority to go and get these resources. And you see then basically um, he gets, in verse 8, he gets given this letter for it. And then verse 9, he goes to the, the, the um, governors of the trans-Euphrates. He starts to act with authority and says, no, the king has given me rights to come and claim this stuff for the work that he's called me to do or the, has released me to go and do. And we even find that in verse 9, the king gives him more than he asks for. He says, oh, actually, you're also going to need some soldiers to go with you, Nehemiah. And he sends the soldiers. See, Nehemiah doesn't really do anything smart to get all this generous provision, to get released from his work, to go and do the stuff that God's called him to, to get all the materials he's going to need, to get above and beyond even what he's asking for to get soldiers. See, this is God at work in the moment. The king knows beyond Nehemiah's asks what he needs. And it's the same for us with the true king who has authority over all of heaven and earth. And we need to do what Nehemiah does, is pray and constantly check we're in line with God's will. But it's okay for us not only to ask God, but also of the world, what it is we need for the stuff that God has called us to go and do. And we're to go and act with authority. Nehemiah knows that he's released by the king to go and do this work. So when he goes to the governor's triumph, he says, no, no, I, this is what I need from you. Friends, your king is better than King Artaxerxes. And actually, it's your God that is at work in the circumstances to release all of these things for Nehemiah. The same God then that you have now, that when he calls you to something, when he stirs your heart uniquely for something, you need to know that your king will provide not only what you are asking for, but above and beyond what you ask for, what you actually need for what it is that he's calling you to go and do. And so then we see um, in verse 11, Nehemiah goes and inspects the wall of Jerusalem. He basically goes to make a realistic assessment of the job ahead of him. He's got materials for it. He's got authority and freedom to go and do it. But he does still, he's not like, you know, he's not in la-la land, fairyland. He goes and makes a realistic assessment of the job in front of him. But you see, no one really knows about it yet. Artaxerxes knows and the governors of the trans-Euphrates knows. But it says, verse 16, he doesn't tell the nobles, the priests... Um, the officials, the Jews, anyone there, what he's going and doing. He's in this phase of holding this, this kind of promise, this thing that he's called to. It's not necessarily secret, but he knows it's not yet for the whole world around him. He's wise around who he's sharing this with. And the analogy that's often used, and actually I think prophetically in the last few months, more and more and more has been talked about, is this, this image of a birthing room. And I think it's a really good analogy. Most people, I would say, are pretty considered about who's with them in the birthing room while this, this precious and um, delicate thing is brought into the world. It's not a place for necessarily the crowds and hundreds of people and you're wise about who is there to support you and that's uh, trusted. And there might be people with skills, midwives and other people that, that have skill sets that need them to be part of that birthing process. If God's calling you to something Consider a birthing process. It might be a very quick birthing process. It might be more drawn out. But just like Nehemiah, there's something of God's wisdom about who he's sharing it with and when he's sharing this with. 
And you might need midwives around you and stuff, you know, but again, it's the same analogy of birth. As a child grows stronger, you share it with the world and people get to come and see and touch and proke and ask and all this other sort of stuff. But Nehemiah has this, this, this precious moment of holding on to this thing that he's called to go and do, to make a realistic assessment of it. And that might be just, again, a, a thing that we need to understand as family together. Is who are the people we need to call in to, around these birthing moments when God's calling you to go and do something? But then the third beat we see of kind of the story of chapter two is Nehemiah is explicit about what God has told them, or calling them to do in his heart and how God has provided from this surrounding God. He says, no, no, I've got the surrounding God. Look what he has done. And it inspires the faith in others. You see it in, in verse 18. He says, I told them about, so he's already shared with them the work he thinks God's called. He says, I told them about the gracious hand of God on me and what the king had said. And so they replied, let us start rebuilding. See, they're living in this state of ruin. <laughs> the walls are all um, torn down. They're in exile. Like, like Life's not good for them. The report that we saw at the start of chapter one is true. But they've kind of just accepted that and they're living in the circumstance. And Nehemiah comes along and says, now God has stirred my heart and look what God has already done. Look at how he's provided. Look what his promises have done. For us, that might be, look how God has spoken. Look at all these different prophetic heartbeats of what God has said about this situation. And it inspires faith and action from all those other people trusting that God is at work. Even when they're mocked and laughed at. See, as soon as Nehemiah shared, look, look what God, God is surrounding us and he is providing. This is God's work that I've been called to. It instantly sparks faith in these people. But almost at the exact same time, they're mocked and laughed at. The people around them basically say like, what are you doing? Are you really doing this? And they have faith in that moment to say, our God has called us to do this. You can do nothing to stop. I mean, it's quite a remarkable turnaround for these people that are living in this state of ruin. Not doing anything about it. They hear something of the, the God is in this. Look at what God has done. God is surrounding us in this work. And although mocking and laughter and just kind of goading comes at them straight away, they've caught in their heart something of what God is about to do and already started. And it gives them strength to stand and, and stand against any mocking or taunting that comes against us. See, chapter one and chapters two basically say you are uniquely called by God, uniquely placed by God. There are things that are going to stir in your heart. Just as Nehemiah is unique, you are uniquely moved and motivated to do work that God has called you to do. And it might require some careful birthing. But your God surrounds you and will provide everything you need for the work he's going to call you to do. And actually, when you then share with people, this is what God has spoken about and look what he has done. That, that, that call to live with the surrounding God inspires the faith of others to release them either into the work that they're meant to be part of. But it also could inspire them to go and do the stuff that they are called to do. Nehemiah's story is not in the Bible so that we go, wow, isn't Nehemiah a great guy? No, no, no. Your heart is unique. You're uniquely positioned. Your God surrounds you. You might have to go through this birthing phase of holding carefully before God these promises. 
but your call to action and quick action. I think there has often been this sense of actually we've sometimes got to wait for the things of God to come to fruition. No, no. Two chapters in, very short period of time, Nehemiah has all the resource. He's in position. He basically has a team of people that have been called around him and they're basically ready. Next chapter, basically, they start building the wall. I trust that we're in a, a season where we are going to start to see things accelerate and grow and be established far faster than we would ever imagine and we've ever seen before. But it all starts with us stepping out of the boat and following what it is that we feel God is calling us to do. Prayer checking we're in line with God. But I think we are going to see resource released faster than we could ever imagine. We're going to suddenly find ourselves in positions that we've not earned or deserved. And we're going to suddenly find people around us that hearts are excited and called to the work that God is calling them and us to go and do. It's incredibly exciting. And it can start today with you coming before God and saying, God, what is it? What is it that you've called me to do? What is it is stirring your heart? Bring it before God. And I trust that we are going to find again and again and again multiple stories of people you know and you and friends and family and churches and things across the world where what we see in Nehemiah chapters 1 and 2 is going to be the daily bread we are going to eat and hear about and see in the world.